Hello, I'm Anthony Santa. I'm Dr. Michael Smith. And this is Fusion Health Radio, the Health, Lifestyle, and Mindset Podcast, Episode 25. Now would be good. Welcome to Fusion Health Radio, your source for inspiration, information, and insight on what it really takes and what really matters on your journey to abundant health. Welcome back to Fusion Health Radio if you're a loyal listener, and thanks for tuning in if this is your first time here. Uh, Fusion Health Radio is an opportunity for you to learn something about your health the same way I'm going to for the next hour or so. (laughs) I'm Anthony Santa. I'm the host of this program. I'm in studio today with Dr. Michael Smith. And Dr. Michael Smith, please, once again, tell our listeners who you are and what you know. Uh, So I've been practicing integrative medicine for over 20 years. I do that by combining the leading edge sciences of functional medicine and what people nowadays call evolutionary nutrition. Uh, with the vast wisdom and experience of traditional Chinese medicine. And uh, you've been doing that for a number of years? Over 20. Over 20. Wow. Uh, I'm very humbled to be able to sit here with you. Uh, I'm Anthony Senna. Again, I am the producer of the show, and uh, I help Michael um, draw out answers and to figure out all this technology that's sitting in between us as we record these episodes. Uh, something of a online marketing smarty pants is what I like to call myself. And um, here today, we're talking about something that uh, Michael and I uh, briefly talked about the other day, um, something about, I think, motivation, procrastination, that kind of crossed uh, our, our, our conversation there. Tell me a little bit more about what we're on about today, Michael. Well, I mean, it's a fundamental thing for just about everybody I've ever worked with in the clinical sense, and probably a lot of other uh, things that I've been involved with as well, that... At some point, each of us is going to have to do that, you know, on your mark, get ready, and go. Or how does that actually go? On your mark, get set, go? Something like that. Something like that. Anyway, but it's that willingness to actually go. And for a lot of people nowadays, you know, there's sort of the, um, prost, what do they call that? Perfection prost, uh, there's a word I'm missing here. Uh, uh, and I can cut this out as I... Okay, so it'd be what we would call uh, perfection procrastination, right? Or the other one might be kind of uh, information constipation, mm. where, you know, oh, what diet should I take or what exercise should I do or should I tell my partner that I'm, you know, out of this already or that I really want to go deeper or, you know, whatever it is that we're on the fence about. At some point, we have to get over the fence or just jump off the fence. The phrase that I know is option paralysis. Yeah, that's that's even better. Yeah, and that's when you go to the grocery store and you see 18 items of something instead of three, and you just can't make up your mind. Yeah, so I just wanted to speak to that because there's a lot of uh, what you might call mini opportunities or little experiments that you could do with yourself to just get into the habit of just being able to kind of go with that idea. Well, now would be good, you know, even for this little thing. And as we get more... Uh, practical, tangible experience with making those kind of discernments and moving into action instead of paralysis. That becomes our more go-to way of being in the world. And honestly, it's really about autonomy and trusting yourself. You know, it's our birthright as beings to come into the world and kick ass. To make it sound all badass or cool or say ass enough one more time. <laughs> I don't think that's technically a swear word. You're listening to Fusion Health Radio, the kick-ass podcast. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, because what's the opposite? You know, depression, oppression, um, indecision, uh, anxiety, you know, waiting and waiting and waiting to see what, 
you know, what if, what if, what if, and inevitably that becomes such a memory of how we are in the world that we just become more, uh, you know, it's like being buried knee deep and then hip deep and then neck deep. And pretty soon (laughs) there's no, nobody left to watch what happens next, you know? So it's just giving ourselves permission to really, you know, ask ourselves, am I really good at actually just going into action, uh, with anything? And if you're not, what's in the way? I mean, I'm not saying, you know, just run around, uh, as if your frontal cortex is broken, kissing random people because they're cute. I mean, that's probably going to get you into some trouble. Um, you're just waiting for a comment on that, aren't you? (laughs) You know that the listener out there right now is going, what this guy (laughs) thinking to themselves. Hmm. Yeah. But I mean, it's, there's that balance, but you know, the opposite of being assertive is basically being stuck. Hmm. Well, uh, when we, we talked about the idea of, uh, just sort of getting off your butt and doing it, that sort of thing. Um, I'm reminded of, uh, our approach to actually doing, uh, the podcast. Um, this is episode 25 and, um, we've got a couple of episodes, um, ideas and that sort of thing of what we wanted to do and how we're doing things. And, um, the idea of being consistent and persistent is one that I use in my own business model and one that I sort of uh, coach others to, uh, subscribe to in order to get anywhere, uh, with their online marketing and such. And, uh, I notice how that's something that we haven't been doing. <laughs> we're, uh, you know, I, I feel sort of like almost sheepishly guilty talking about, you know, get up and do it. And here I am sort of somebody who's not really been doing that. Well, I mean, we did take a bit of a break with a podcast, but I was we dealing with some family stuff and then I think you had gone on a trip. So it's not like we weren't, you know, in, sure. in any way, you know, you know, being totally procrastinating. Uh, we were just elsewhere. <laughs> sure. But still the, the, I guess the idea of, um, uh, having a, um, a committed plan sort of drawn out, you know, mm-hmm. uh, dates on the calendar, that sort of thing. Uh, and I don't think that's anything that, uh, we had done. Um, mind, mind you, we were still recording and putting stuff out there, which is great. Um, I'm just thinking of other podcasts that I know that it's like, Oh, it's Tuesday. It's this podcast day, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Um, whereas we don't have that yet. Well, we, 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 we kind of did. And now we're going to have it back again. So. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I'll, I'll stop complaining. <laughs> <laughs> I, I missed you too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, th- there you go. That's, that's, well, that's the truth of it. You know, yeah. it's like uh, to be able to sit down and uh, really focus on health uh, issues and helping you um, shine the light on specific topics and stuff um, is addictive. And I think it's very, uh, it's a very helpful thing for me to be able to sit down here and do that. And for that to not be in place is kind of like, uh, and then I get, you know, my life steamrolled by. Facebook and every other piece of useless information that comes across my day. And it's like, uh, where do I go from here? So it's, it's kind of me complaining out loud just to sort of get my legs again. Mm-hmm. If you, if I can say it that way. Oh, that's our podcast, Anthony. We can do whatever we want. <laughs> yeah. Okay. There. I just did. <laughs> See, um, we're being assertive. <laughs> sure. So when, when, when you talk about, um, uh, procrastination or, um, option paralysis and that sort of thing, how does that actually show up? Uh, I guess in your practice. In my practice, um, paperwork. Yeah, definitely paperwork. And um, do you see it uh, when people walk through the door as well? Do you see it in your patients? Uh, Well, I think the reason I have patients is that people haven't figured out how to be precisely assertive to resolve the problem that they have. You know, and it's not just about assertive. There's lots of other things we're going to get into, but I guess that's a good word to start with. Um, And I'm not saying that they're lazy people or that that they're unintelligent or something. Um, I mean, they're patients. They... There are people who have problems that if they knew how to figure out, they would have figured them out. Mm-hmm. So I don't think in any way that they're doing option paralysis. Although, 
you know, there are some people that are definitely, um, I would say more in a state of overwhelm, you know, in the sense of family life, kids, money, work, uh, symptoms, fatigue, pain. Um, I mean, that's going to create a, a natural condition of limitation right? and a kind of condition of pushing against that limitation. And honestly, I think that's how 80% of the people that I've ever met get exhausted. Hmm. I, I would imagine that that's, um, exhaustion is probably a big part of, um, the modern lifestyle. Yeah. I mean, I think that we could do just a podcast just on that. I mean, what it's like to figure out what you're up against and that the fact you're against it is actually the problem because you could probably find a way around it. Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, um, uh, you said you had a couple of ideas to share around uh, this whole thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if we've actually hit the first one or if there's a sensible order to it. So well, I thought we'd just flow with it because it's a pretty common sense topic. It's not like we're going back into five episodes of neurology or something, <laughs> which was kind of fun, but maybe a little bit too far for what most people really need to hear. Yeah, sure. This, this, so this won't be a real sort of geek out then today. Uh, no, not so much. It's going to be pretty practical though. Hmm. So I think the thing I would start with uh, in the context of now would be good is do you actually experience your existence now in the sense of being present? Hmm. Now, when you're being present, you can be passively present in the sense of uh, kind of a modern insight meditation motif of, you know, I can really listen to the birds that are singing and I can really uh, be in my posture and feel my breath and things like that, which are... Uh, in a way, passive things, because it's all about what you feel because of something that's happening, right? So if I'm listening, uh, well, that's nice. If I'm smelling something, that's nice. If I'm getting a massage, everything that happens is up to the massage person, really. Uh, all good things, but that's sort of, you could call that the receptive kind of presence. And then there's the presence where you're actually going to play with your posture. You're going to play with your breath. You're going to play with how your face creates intention or... Um, I guess your tone of voice, how you articulate yourself, um, body language is huge. I, re- I read this statistic, I don't know, quite a long time ago, but it was something about, I think, 60 to 65% of any kind of communication between two people is because of body language. You know, like 35% of what's going on is because we make na- noises with our mouth, mm-hmm. right? You know, so when we're on the phone or, you know, maybe listening to a podcast, there's a, a whole volume of being, what's being communicated actively between people, which is missing. Right. So we listen more for tone of voice, or I'm sure everyone listening can tell I've got a bit of a head cold. <laughs> um, you know, because that's just how our minds work. You know, we really want to get the most out of it. So I think as individuals, you know, step one is, you know, ask yourself, are you passively present? And that's a pretty easy thing to do just by shutting up and listening to life and feeling it. And then the next thing is, are you actively present? I mean, the easiest way to do that is a practice. And then, like I said, we're going to go through a lot of practical kind of exercises. One of my favorite things to share with people when I'm teaching meditation or Qigong or even martial arts is becoming really precisely aware of how much up and down you're experiencing. How much up and down? Okay. Right. So if I was to sit here, well, I'm sitting here, but if I was to sit here and for whatever reason, pretend that I'm in some kind of weird army you know, cartoon or something where I have to be really rigid in my spine and, you know, yank my shoulders back and furrow my brow and <clears throat> get ready for saluting or spinning guns around or whatever <laughs> happens in that kind of an environment. Um, that might be uh, an exaggeration of what we would call yang in Chinese medicine, you know, a little bit too masculine, a little bit too up. Um, you know, and the opposite is also true. If I decided to slouch in the chair and, you know, I'm not, dive, I'm not trying to point my face at the microphone while I'm collapsing my posture here. But, you know, now I can't hardly breathe. My diaphragm would be collapsed. 
uh, anyone walking by would think that I must be really, really tired or really, you know, sad or something like that. So that would be too much of the passive, too much of the, the allowing things to just fall. But it's a really fun thing. Uh, well, maybe fun isn't the right word, but I think it's fun. Uh, to just play with that posture of being up and then being settled. And as you over-exaggerate the up with your spine, and please do this as you're listening, uh, you know, take it a little bit too far. And then as you settle, try and settle into that nice, erect, you know, um, poised spine. And then you can kind of fall down into the down, but still maintaining enough up inside of it that you're, you still feel poised, but you feel settled. Mm-hmm. You know, in martial arts, you know, uh, not to gore anyone's particular style here, but when it comes to sparring, uh, sport fighting and things like that, you see people bouncing around with their hands held up, you know, and I'm just going to do some quick math here because it is really funny and it does make a point. Uh, if you're jumping up and down, you know, to try and fake somebody out or, you know, stay fit or something, if you do the math, you're only really able to do anything effective one quarter of the time. Because one quarter of the time you're pushing off the ground, one quarter of the time you're kind of floating in space, one quarter of the time you're falling back to the ground, and for one quarter of the time you're actually both feet on the ground able to like swing left and right or actually do something effective if you were to hit someone. Or if you were to try and, uh, you know, well, blocking if you're foolish enough to try and block in a fight. (laughs) You know, you can't really block in any way effectively if you're bouncing around. So you've just cut your, your tactical efficiency or effectiveness in a quarter. Now you got your hands up and you're jabbing and poking and bouncing around. So you're basically doing the same thing with your hands. You're hopping up and down. So again, that's one quarter of the, the time when you're in movement, you're actually effective. And hopefully you're, a, you know, you've been doing this long enough that at least you time it well so that you, when you are that one quarter of the time enough down uh, to be posted or rooted in, in the ground and your hands are actually loose and ready because they, now they can make a decision and they're not undoing a previous decision, you know, now you might be able to do something. So when you do the math with a sense of, I don't know, it, I'll admit, you know, judgmental behavior, people who are bouncing around sparring are only effective one sixteenth of the time, hmm. right? Whereas if you sort of stand there deeply rooted in your posture, a good balance of down, your weight's really, really connected to the planet, all your muscles are ready to go, you're not holding your hands in some weird, you know, mantis shape or a really clenched fist. Now they're more like antennas than they are clubs. Uh, you're effective hundred percent of the time, no matter where a person is. And is that something that, um, you actually practice or have, um, I mean, I, I we, when you, when you describe this sort of bouncing around and thinking of, uh, somebody like Muhammad Ali, just sort of floating like a, like a butterfly, you know, all over a, a boxing ring, that sort of thing. Um, and I can't remember which fight it was. I think there was one where he was actually doing that and the, the opponent, um, was just sort of walking around after him, just sort of sure-footed, flat-footed. Uh, and it looked almost like, um, it might have been George Foreman, I don't know. It looked like that fellow was just um, doing it wrong because of the way that, you know, I've seen boxing videos and that sort of stuff. But he, you know, he was a tank as opposed to this, you know, butterfly. <laughs> well, I think when you add uh, ropes, a uh, referee, um the fact you get paid millions of dollars to entertain people. So dragging out, you know, typically is kind of, you know, if you were really, really good, you just walked up and punched somebody in the throat and they, you know, went to the hospital. I mean, where's my check? <laughs> I don't think you're going to get hired to do a lot of uh, entertainment violence, which is, you know, MMA and boxing. And, you know, now like, I don't know, it's even in the Olympics where there's, you know, judo and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. 
uh, other combat arts that are, you know, more like sports and stuff. Um, but anyway, not to go too far afield in, in that example, but it's just to say that, you know, the more you're aware of that up-down within your body, within how you walk. Um, another example, which might, isn't exactly specific to the up-down opportunity, uh, but it is about being embodied. If you like to run, one of the coolest things I've ever come across is to get music that has exactly this, the rhythm you have with your gait. So you know, if you have a certain number of footfalls per minute or, you know, per five seconds, you can, you know, clock that fairly easily and then go onto a, onto a website that's, you know, got that kind of gait specific uh, rhythm uh, music and you just type in, this is my gait, you know, and they'll give you 20, you know, pieces of music or even made up uh, like electronic music you can put on your headphones. And I love doing this because when I run, I trail run uh, and I put my headphones on and sometimes I'm with people, sometimes I'm alone. It's dancing. I'm running through the forest to music and I'm dancing. And if I'm leaping over, you know, logs and avoiding branches and stuff, it's almost like I'm kind of, you know, in sort of the martial arts sense, uh, I'm dancing in and around spatial objects, right? So I'm, I'm almost... I don't know. It's a really great kind of training for me. So you're it's, just to get that clear um, for me and probably for the listeners as well. You're you're um, you're running mm-hmm. or dancing as you call it to the beats per minute of a particular track. Mm-hmm. Wow! And it keeps you really consistent. I mean, if I could run in circles around like parks and tracks, then I would probably even get more out of that because I wouldn't have to be uh, potentially distracted by you know changes in the topography that I'm running on, but I prefer, I prefer to be, uh, in an agile kind of running cause I'm not, I don't run competitively. I don't run long distance. I just like to run. Mm-hmm. And you're not doing parkour. So you gotta, <laughs> <laughs> not, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> For those of you who are listening, parkour is that lovely, uh, form of entertainment you see where you see guys running through the city, hopping over railings and over buildings and doing somersaults when they land at the other end and just keep on running. Those people are like superheroes. It's just, I cannot believe what those people are doing. Yeah. You want to hear a really interesting parkour story? Sure. Uh, some guy who's in his thirties got into it and, uh, his family was going, wow, it's amazing how fit you've gotten, how fast. And, you know, he wasn't doing parkour with his family. He was just out doing with his friends and, uh, trying to get his mind right about something in his life. And he had friends that were into it. Anyway, uh, his grandmother had some kind of uh, illness diagnosis and was, you know, feeling like this is it, it's going to go badly. And for whatever reason, she just said, I want to do what Randy's doing because Randy got really, really healthy, really fast. And everybody's like, what's Randy been doing? It's called parkour. And this little old lady's like, okay, I'm going to go learn some parkour. She thought it was like Tai Chi or something, right? (laughs) So goes to the park and like, I want to learn some parkour and all these little, you know, crazy primate kids that are climbing all over everything said, okay, old lady, sure, we'll try and get you started. And they got her started jumping from the bottom of the stairs in the park onto the first stair and then up each stair. She jumped up all the way up one stair at a time, then down one stair at a time. And then after she felt like she could do that, you know, maybe after a week and recover and, you know, have, didn't fall down, no broken hips or anything, uh, she started jumping two steps at a time. And then she would run and get her three steps. And this 60, it took about a year. This now 61 year old woman was like running and jumping over stuff in the park. Wow. She wasn't doing like, you know, rolls and flips and anything crazy like that. But she went from, I might need a walker and some pills to I'm chasing these little kids around the park and leaping over stuff. And 
Well, that's a that's a pretty excellent example of now would be good. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Now would be good because once you become embodied in a way that uh, meets your personality and your environment and I guess your lifestyle, you know, there's really no excuse not to apply that same kind of joie de vivre or, you know, joy of life to whatever actually is uh, kind of haunting you in your life. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, well, it's, it's um, a great example of how um, the body doesn't really have limits unless we think they do. And it's the same with your life and right. your inner world. Mm-hmm. I mean, and honestly, I, I mean, it's not the elephant in the room, but uh, I think that's where most of us are actually the most afraid. Between our ears. Between our ears, you know, lying in bed, the dark night of the soul or whatever. Um, just wondering, you know, if I'm feeling messed up, I can't trust myself because I'm messed up to get me out of this mess. Right. I mean, this is a, a bit of a different example, but I know a lot of people when it comes to uh, intimate relationship and, you know, while we're all one bit, uh, once bitten, twice shy or whatever, if you start to get the opinion of yourself that you're actually kind of crappy at picking partners, you're either going to start purposefully or subconsciously picking crappy partners, or you're just going to give up because you've just decided, well, I keep picking the wrong kind of people, so I'm just going to stop bothering because why well, keep going through the same uh, thing over and over again? Because you don't really trust yourself or you've given up uh, a willingness to learn through experience. You know, and I mean, that's where I, I see, again, because in my practice, which I don't think I mentioned, I practice, I primarily focus on complex chronic autoimmune disease. So what that means, typically, uh, if someone's referred to me, they have typically a minimum of two uh, autoimmune disease diagnoses. And um, do you think procrastination actually has a, um, a big part in how... Um, somebody who actually has that sort of disease actually does anything uh, more progressive for them? Well, I don't know if I'd just point my finger directly just at procrastination. I think I was speaking more to the um, that really challenging inner world part where, okay, I've been given this illness and maybe it's in my family or maybe I you know, had some kind of injury that set it off or we all know, yeah, I was really stressed out that year and I, I can appreciate why things went sideways. But at a certain point when you're told by your, you know, your doctors, oh yeah, that's complex chronic autoimmune. Now you've got two, you're probably going to be on drugs for the rest of your life. Get used to being weak and sick and in pain. I remember uh, myself 20 odd years ago, I was in the hospital, literally dying of something. Um, and when I, they had literally saved me with all their miraculous drugs and stuff. Uh, the person in, in the hospital was just saying, well, you know, this is your diagnosis and you're going to probably be on these kind of meds the rest of your life. And you're probably going to be sick, sick, weak, and in pain, you know, and exhausted for the rest of your life. And I'm just sort of like, I think I want a second, third, fourth, 10th opinion on what that's going to look like for me. Cause it's, you know, for most of my life, I've been an athlete. So when someone says, sorry, dude, you're going to be weak, sick, and in pain and exhausted, I'm like, mm, no. You didn't believe it. No way. <laughs> and I'm still here, you know, doing my thing. So Yeah, interesting. Um, well, I, I guess when I said the word procrastination, procrastination to me sort of um, is the punctuation at the end of the sentence that says, um, the story I'm telling myself is uh, that I can't do this or I shouldn't do that or uh, this isn't going to work. And therefore, I'm just going to avoid this thing, this idea of what this should be or could be. And somebody with a bunch of certificates on their wall with a lab coat and a stethoscope around their neck and <laughs> a pocket protector or whatever says, sorry, I've got a, you know, bad news. Then, you know, we take that as a, you know, a pretty heavy thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I think uh, most people, 
perhaps people who listen to this podcast uh, think anybody in a white coat is kind of uh, all-knowing, all-seeing, and that's it. Yeah, and I mean, that's, I mean, there's a friend of mine, uh, Ken Cohen, he's uh, uh, got a similar background to me, and uh, he wrote this article years ago, he's quite the scholar, it was called The White Coat Curse. Mm, right. And all about how a clinical diagnosis, especially something like cancer, um, that becomes its own uh, insult or assault to human health because you walk out of the door going, oh my God, I've got, you know, X, Y, or Z disease or especially the big C disease. I mean, that that being given, especially the big C, you're like, oh, you know, that, that that's not, that's, I don't have a lot of statistics on my head on how great that's going to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and I, I have a lot of, uh, Hollywood versions of how that's supposed to go. I have a lot of stories and ideas of how that's supposed to go. So therefore, if I've been told I got cancer, hmm. uh, then it's supposed to happen like this, like it did in this soap opera that I watched last week. For yeah, this movie. actually, I think uh, uh, in the theme of now would be good. Our next podcast is going to be on cancer because there's a, a, I guess you could call it a theory that cancer isn't actually an illness by itself. So we'll get into that in another podcast. Yeah, we'll <laughs> drop these little hints to yeah. keep people uh, listening. Uh, folks, if you are listening, remember you can uh, share this uh, podcast with your friends. That's always a great idea because you care for them and we care for them too. Uh, Fusion Health Radio is something that uh, Michael and I uh, do on a regular basis. And uh, we do this um, gratis, I guess. Yeah. Just because uh, Mike's got a lot of ideas in his head and I got a whole lot of recording equipment. <laughs> <laughs> And it might help people. And it might help people. So seriously, if uh, if you do uh, like what you're hearing on the podcast, uh, please do let us know. Uh, we are on Facebook. And um, what other ways can people get in touch with us? Uh, they can comment on iTunes or Podbean or Stitcher. Uh, yeah, there is the Fusion Health Radio Facebook page. Would probably be the easiest because you know everyone's on Facebook. So, um, I mean, my my website is IntegrativeHealthSolutions.ca. Uh, uh, you can contact me through that if you have a question. Great. Actually, it's been kind of interesting since the podcast has been going. I've had people contact me from around the world. That's pretty awesome. Uh, let's see, what was the last one? And they were all saying, like, who's that guy you're talking to? <laughs> he's, <laughs> yeah, so, like, he's so I, smart. I, I want his phone number. He's got this great voice. <laughs> 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 was the last one? It was, yeah, last one was Egypt, and before that was India. Well, that's exciting. Yeah. Wow. Uh, when I looked at last look at the, at the stats, when I uploaded the last episode, we had uh, listenership throughout the United States, which is kind of interesting mm-hmm. uh, because this podcast isn't listed in U.S. iTunes, is it? I think it's just on iTunes, but it's more easy to get stats in Canada because we're in Canada. Right. Well, well I saw that uh, we had people listening in Tennessee, in California, uh, Florida. So if you're listening across the States, hi. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. Uh, got a question. Shoot, shoot us uh, an idea for a show. Right. Uh, okay, so let's get back to the show now that we're done uh, promoting what we're doing here. Um, the idea of the podcast uh, now would be good, uh, talking about um, procrastination and um, being more deliberate in how one's body is actually flowing through the world, yeah, if I can summarize. Yeah, I mean, the, the base, basic kind of umbrella for that stuff around balancing your up and down and, I don't know, trail running or whatever, being in your body is just about being present. You know, you could say not distracted. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you can find a hobby or an exercise thing or, I mean, playing music, singing, anything that just, you know, you've got a lot going on right now. So you can't be in that, the, I don't know, that scary closet in the back of your mind that says, oh, come on and play with me. Because <laughs> <laughs> if you stop playing with that thing, it goes away. 
Interesting. Yeah, I guess it does. Eh? Um, what's that uh, that uh, story um, about which wolf you feed? Yeah, I mean, do, do, do you know that one? Can you? Well, it's, it's been kind of done to death. And as a person with an indigenous background, I always feel a little bit, oh no, embarrassed at using native stuff that's been flogged. But basically, there's a wolf of anger and a wolf of fear. And the one that wins wins is the one that you feed the most. It's also been said fear or love, anger or love. I mean, pick two things, pick five, you know, pick everything. Feed the wolf you want to be. <laughs> <laughs> Today on Fusion House Radio, <laughs> we're selling wolf chow. <laughs> <laughs> What's funny is I used to actually raise and sell wolf hybrid puppies. So <laughs> I've got a lot of experience with wolves. There you go. Um, you said you had some other ideas to share around this. Some yeah. other sort of... Um, um, what, what, what did you say they were? Practical exercises. Thank you. <laughs> Brain fart. Did you see that, folks? <laughs> you should smell it. Oh, my God. <laughs> you said you've got a couple of other practical exercises to share. Uh, a few hundred, yeah. So I think the, the next thing I'd want to talk about is, you know, if you're not sitting or standing or walking or whatever you might be doing, listening to this, going, yeah, I can't wait to do the next fun thing in my life, um, the next exercise should be something to help you get back to that. Because I'll just, just say 50-50 people hearing this are going, that's a really great idea. I want to get out on the trails and start running or get some of those, you know, gate rhythm things going. Yeah, anyway, so if you're not feeling totally inspired and ready to go, then let's go into that closet a little bit and do some work. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's an exercise that I ask people to do, literally. Um, and please try this, even if you are feeling all, you know, full of piss and vinegar. Just because it's a really good way to get to know how you think about yourself in the world. So the exercise, um, and I think I just put a blog post out about this a while ago. Uh, it's called the best use of sticky notes. Okay. So let's say you've got a stack of yellow sticky notes and a stack of blue ones or whatever color you've got. Um, so I'm going to say, I'm going to take the yellow ones. I'm going to write down on each little sticky note, one memory or experience, uh, or trauma or interaction or whatever that I feel was very negative. Now, it could have been negative because of what someone did or said to me or what I did or said to someone else or what my parents or teachers or ex-lovers or whatever, you know, brought into my experience that I'm still carrying around as a negative. Okay. And I mean, this is like a day, you know, and if you're a cannabis user, feel free to make yourself a highly associative human. Anyway, <laughs> so you just sit there and, you know, actually, I guess if you're doing the negative thing, you probably want to use alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to get mad at yourself, have a drink. Um, and you just put those all up on the wall, you know, I mean, try and get to around like 30 to 50 different things that you can look at and go, yeah, that's stuff I still kind of carry around with a bit of a grudge or, uh, maybe it keeps you kind of ducking in the world a little bit, you know, avoiding more of that. And then either the same day or an hour later or (laughs) after your cannabis infusion, um, then you're going to take the other ones, say the blue ones, and you're going to write down on each little sticky note, something that you know and feel is a very, very positive thing a successful thing. I often make the joke, if you're not sure what to write down, just write down, ate food, did not stick fork and eye. <laughs> okay, good day. I'm, I'm, I'm a rock star. Fed dog did not kick it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, you know, wiped a bum. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> Whatever. You know, but I mean, obviously you're trying to pick things that you probably would share with someone in a conversation uh, about who you are and what you're about and what you're like. And, you know, I guess if you're on a date, you know, this is my resume of cool, Mm -hmm. you know, so you've got your yellow wall of, you know, shame and blame and 
you know, sadness. And then you've got this blue wall of, wow, you know, I actually do see that as a person, I am effective in the world. I can be decisive. I can be successful. Uh, even accidentally, there are going to be wins in life. Right. Okay. So you've got the, uh, good list and you've got your bad list. Then yeah. What? yeah. So now you're going to sit down and, and this exercise is actually called, uh, the exercise of perspective. Okay. Right. Cause right now it's really about judgment. Okay. Um, so you're going to look at the yellow wall and just sort of go through it and grab any one of the yellow stickies off of that wall if you think it's taught you something and made you a better person. Okay. And now it goes over to the blue wall. Well, mm. the blue and yellow wall. <laughs> okay. and, and then you're going to look at what's left and you're going to say, okay, this is actually what I have to do with what you might call your spiritual work. Or, you know, if you have a friend who you kind of talk to about your you know, your inner bits, or you go to see a therapist, which I think everyone at least once a year should sit down with a counselor and say, or something, (laughs) right? So that's, that's the wall of inner work, right? Then you're going to go over to the other wall, focusing on the blue ones, and you're going to take off that wall experiences and memories and successes that you use to brag Hmm. in a way that you're kind of holding up your ego with this thing in a way that isn't really authentic. Hmm. And that goes over onto the wall of inner work. Hmm. Usually takes people three or four hours. And, you know, when you come back from that, you're, you're going to be a person who's going, oh, you know, I really, really get to, I really have a sense of who I am in the world, what work I really do have. And the fact that I have this giant wall of evidence that I don't suck. I would imagine that that would be a very, uh, profound and kind of, um, important thing for somebody to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, and when you really think about this on a universal level, does anybody suck? Like, is anybody like just flailingly broken with, you know, with community, with support, with, uh, good choices and the ability to say that would be good. <laughs> mm. And, you know, as long as we can even make one small step in the direction we truly feel we need to go to be ourselves, you know, as the, you know, the old Taoist saying goes, you know, every journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. Mm-hmm. And then another single step and a single step. Or if you're a 61 year old grandma <laughs> doing parkour, just a single step. Yeah. Uh, you've done this exercise for yourself? Uh, yeah. I kind of came up with it years ago as a part of a, a mudra practice. Mudras is where you make shapes with your hands and you use that to, often with breath work and other things, uh, basically rearrange yourself if you're having an anxiety attack or you're feeling overwhelmed or you're really depressed a way to just sort of reassert your authentic nature and is this something that you would um if if i can use the word prescribe uh, would you prescribe somebody to do this um something ongoing or something um more than once Uh, i think if you're really um either working your way out of a fairly difficult place which you know probably half of the people listening are, or if you're actually motivated to get to a really, really amazing place, Mm -hmm. which hopefully at least half of the people here are, it's all about maintaining momentum and direction and consistency, you know, as you had mentioned, you know, so if you're a person who's working through some pretty difficult stuff, I would say do that every year. Mm, Right. You know, if you're feeling like you're almost to the, you know, amazing person you really want to be, just do it once and just make sure you're that amazing. It's, yeah, I mean, uh, as you're sitting here, I can sort of see that idea sort of sinking in, thinking, wow, that would be a, a kind of like a weekend a weekend off, almost like a vacation from, 
everything else I've got to do, um, self-imposed got to do, mm-hmm. and uh, just look inward. Um, and just to sort of, uh, I mean, I like to keep a pretty tidy desk, um, an office, and, you know, a place for everything and everything in its place. Um, I'm sure that post-it note exercise would help me put a few things into place. Yeah, and that's the idea. And and if nothing else, um, you know, there's this opportunity to just, you know, be clear. You know, even if you don't feel like you need to do any deep work, at least you can be clear. Mm-hmm. You know, and I would say if you feel that the yellow wall of doom <laughs> is winning, really start talking to people, anybody, you know, friends, family, in most parts of the world, I think, you know, there's like free mental health counselors and stuff like that, addictions counselors, or you can just sit down and tell your story. I mean, I think it's been my experience as a clinician and as a patient that nothing changes until you have permission from another human being in some way. Say that again. Nothing changes unless you have permission from another human being. And I'm going to change that because I think it's more about, it's not just permission, it's being witnessed by another person. Okay. And I think in being witnessed, you've suddenly kind of almost given yourself permission because if it's okay for the other person to know, you know, what's really kind of cooking in the wrong side of your life, you know, you have a witness, you have an ally and you're no longer as stuck as you were because now it's really true to the world, not just your deep, dark secret. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've had plenty of experience around that as a, as a kid. I was abused mm-hmm. and, um, there, you know, I think I, there's a whole bunch of witnesses at the other end of this microphone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it certainly doesn't feel as loaded as it did when I was a kid. Yeah. And right. wow, man, I almost teared up at your vulnerability mm-hmm. and, and, you know, uh, self-love to be able to say that out loud. Like, oh, holy cow. that's another podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, I'm happy to sort of share that story. Um, and if any of my family are listening and you haven't heard this story before, uh, give me a call. You know the number. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not something that... Um, I think in my own sort of self-love, self-growth process over the years, I uh, have learned to realize and appreciate what that experience was um, and how it's helped shape who I am today. And I like who I am. So that can't necessarily have been a bad thing. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's easy for me to talk about that because it doesn't hold this sort of um, really dark, gloomy, um, perspective. Uh, it's, it's not like I'm wearing a pair of dark glasses that says I was abused and I can't really see that well mm-hmm. uh, beyond them. Uh, the glasses are off, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, but anyways, I digress. Well, I mean, but I mean, again, thank you because I mean, maybe a thousand people who are going to hear this, we're going to give themselves permission to start talking about what they've experienced. Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, it, like I said, I'd be happy to, uh, um, uh, offer that story uh, another day on a podcast and if uh, if you're out there listening and you want to hear more about that sort of thing please do let us know mm-hmm. um, that would be a, a bit more motivation for me to actually um, share that story uh, if we decide to do that I don't know I mean I'd be happy to share you know my fairly scary childhood experiences <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, you have some other sort of uh, approaches ideas to share yeah. So again, if we're talking about now would be good. Um, and if, again, you're not already, you know, running out the door to get going into what you want to do next with your life. Um, sometimes it's a good idea to explore um, with sort of the innate functions of yourself as a being or your the innate functions of the mind. Um, so there was a podcast we did a, a while ago. Uh, it was called uh, Emotional Intelligence and Traditional Chinese Medicine. Um, it was all about basically the instinctual attributes of the mind. So, 
know, if you're feeling a lot of anger, it's actually because you're not using your assertiveness very well. If you're feeling a lot of grieving, it's because you haven't given yourself an actual kind of grace period, almost ceremonial period of time to really go deep into the grieving process. Hmm. And we live in a culture that really has no time for grieving. So, you know, get over it, take a pill. That's not my advice. I'm just making fun of people who <laughs> think that's a good idea. <laughs> Uh, if you're feeling a lot of anxiety and fear, it's usually because you don't actually have a, a lot of, uh, memories of what it's like to feel ready, you know, in the, in the sense of, uh, athleticism or that would be good, you know, just in the sense of, uh, trusting yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could go around the, the whole thing, but that's a whole other podcast, but it's just being able to go, okay, am I instinctually being an assertive person? And if I'm not what are the other uh, instincts that I'm being called to uh, become a whole person through? You know, if it is fear that's trying to teach you to be a little bit more uh, deep in self-trust and, you know, living from a place of autonomy. If you are being called to really grieve something in your past or even in your present, but you're not really sure how or, you know, afraid it's going to take too long or it might take you out or, you know, I you know, afraid I'll just, you know, completely lose it if I do that. Uh, yeah, another one of the most potent instincts we have of, as as sentient beings is being able to image things out in the, in the sense of being creative or to use our imagination to actually solve problems. You know, I think as adults, when someone says, you're just not very imaginative, you know, you're thinking, oh, that's for kids. You know, using imagination, ah, <laughs> who's got time for that? Yeah, uh, as soon as you say that, it just makes me think of... Um uh, coloring books for adults, mm-hmm. you know, and why they're so damn popular. Right. It's because all of a sudden these people, you know, let their creativity out of the little small dark corner of their mind and went, oh my God, I can do this. Yeah. I mean, I think if I was to hire someone or at a big company and I had to hire lots of people, I'd probably be more prone to hire someone whose resume had some kind of thing that included, I'm an artist and I like to... Uh, they might also be an engineer or a computer specialist or a clinician of some kind, but I would be more likely to trust someone with creative problem solving who has some kind of artistic, imaginative capacity hmm. because, I mean, you have to be pretty present to do art. You know, you have to be not uh, only compelled to work with your dark side. I mean, I can see a lot of artists have found a pretty creative way to deal with their dark side, but at least they're doing it creatively. Sure. So if you're a person who, you know, is trying to wrap your mind around that whole now would be good, how do I get started, you know, you know, who's holding me back, you know, what's, uh, you know, rattling the gate, come on, let me out of here. Uh, Get as instinctual as you can with how you live your life, you know, instead of being angry, be assertive. Instead of being afraid, find a way to get more uh, deep into trusting yourself, solving problems. Mm -hmm. When you say afraid, it just makes me think of um, the word curious. Mm-hmm. Um, it's coming from a place of curiosity is something that has served me so well in my life, uh, helping me deal with all kinds of issues. Um, and knowing that uh, there's curiosity that's sort of motivating my, my questioning of things and my experience of things has always just made it um, okay to be in a really crappy place. You know, it's like, okay, well, I'm here, but I wonder what would happen if this happened, or I wonder why this is happening, and wonder why this could be different over here, but it's not different over here. Like, my brain just goes there automatically. It's the yeah. default. And that's a, I mean, that is courage. Mm-hmm. I mean, I often talk to people about the bungee cord of your mind. You know, some people allow themselves to kind of go really far, 
some people don't let themselves go very far in the sense of jumping off of a bridge with an elastic band tied to your feet. Some people just because of, you know, multiple years of being kind of at the, the same bungee cord, either need to get a longer one and find out what's really behind door number 10 in the dark closet of your mind. Just, you know, you got a bungee cord, it's going to, you're going to yank back real quick, don't worry. But just to see what's in there, other people, you need a shorter one. You know, right. you're, you're stuck in this kind of mental masturbation of, oh, I'm just going to keep going back into this closet and go this far and go, oh my God, that's is really terrifying. And then you come back to your day and you're like, Ugh. <laughs> so you just shorten up that bungee cord, you know, you go, no, you know what? I don't need to go into that closet. I know the result of going in there. Uh, and I'm glad you brought a cur- curiosity for another reason, because anytime I'm working with someone who's dealing with any kind of addiction, step one, can you just be curious for like a day or a week? Just be curious what your life would be like without that substance or a thing, you know, whatever it is, just be curious. I mean, you know, the result of taking that or doing whatever you're doing. So be curious about what it would be like to, you know, try another tack. Yeah. What and then it's not black and white, you know. What would it be like if I didn't, uh, for lack of, uh, I guess, a, a greater example, drink this drink mm-hmm. or uh, toke that toke or whatever uh, abusive I mean, thing that you're doing. It, it could be Facebook. What would it be like if you actually just mm. left it alone for three days or oh, wow. whatever? Wow. I'm sure that half of our <laughs> listeners right now are just going like, no. Yeah. <laughs> I can go without booze. Forget that. You're really sick. <laughs> but my Facebook, my people need me. Yeah. <clears throat> Those cat videos, where would they go without me? You know, and uh, this actually brings us on to the, the next thing I was thinking of uh, in the context of now would be good. What keeps most people uh, really distracted or busy, you know, from being able to be present is impatience. And, and that's actually probably where, you know, addiction came up in my mind because I was just thinking about that because almost everything I've ever done that would be classed as addictive behavior only happened when I was impatient. Impatient with what? Anything. I'm feeling bored and lonely and anxious and I impatiently want not to feel this way. So I'm going to go and distract myself with something so that I don't feel that anymore. Whereas okay. if I could be patient and go, yep, I have 10 reasons to feel lonely and bored and anxious or whatever. Well, I guess that's okay that I feel this way and maybe I can just go deep, you know, or, or, uh, find some way to be more authentic about the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Well, know? I mean, as, as you say that, it just makes me want to generalize and say that I think most people, uh, I'll put myself in that generalization as well. Um, don't, uh, don't know what to do when, uh, there isn't something turned on like a TV or a radio or a Facebook or something like that. To be alone with thoughts in my own mind sometimes is kind of um, maddening because there's no noise. It's almost like the lack of noise is too loud to bear. Yeah, well, coming from a, a First Nations background and having lots of uh, relations and relatives uh, in the, from the same kind of cultural oppression and trauma, and I'm not going to get political about that, don't worry, uh, almost everyone I know who has been through kind of that third world reservation experience and or just the racial crap that goes around, you go to their house and and if if they're, I mean, almost everything is on. Radio, TV, video game, you know, kid with, you know, ghetto blaster or that little scratchy record thing in the, their bedroom. I mean, everyone's doing something to have like the space is full of distraction. Mm-hmm. You know, so the more trauma we feel and the less empowered we feel, the more distraction we feel we need. And that distraction um, goes right against the whole idea of now would be good. 
yeah, because it'd be <laughs> that was bad. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I guess the 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 whole the title now would be good. You know, if I think about um, uh, being distracted by social media or Facebook uh, specifically, how um, there's times when um, I use it for work. You know, for clients and that sort of stuff. If I need to post a particular thing on their page, or whatever, I'll launch Facebook, and then ten minutes later, I'm like closing Facebook and then I realized wait a minute I forgot why I was supposed to be here in the first place it's so powerful it's so powerful that it um, uh, pulls me away from um, conscious thought and puts me into this sort of stoner zone um, which is sometimes great and sometimes not most of the time not yeah, this is going to sound completely whacked and I don't think I've ever said this out loud before but if I was an alien but didn't like killing people but I kind of liked the planet and I understood human physiology and neurology, I would have invented Facebook and sugar. <laughs> <laughs> so isn't it funny that Mark Zuckerberg, the inventor of Facebook, his last name, Zucker, is German for sugar. Really? Yeah. At least I think it is. Wow. Zucker. Oh, yeah. oh my God. I'm having a... <laughs> one of those epiphany moments where cold chills go up my spine. He's an alien. <laughs> you heard it here, folks. <laughs> Anyway, not to go too far afield with aliens, but when you look at how, you know, we talked about this uh, about three podcasts ago about how dopamine isn't the satisfaction neurotransmitter, it's the anticipation neurotransmitter, right? Right. So, you know, if it's sex or if it's food or if it's cocaine or whatever, dopamine goes up way, way more just before you do the fun thing you're going to do or maybe not fun thing you're going to do. Um, so we always register these high levels of dopamine around addictive behaviors and big, uh, you know, satisfying moments like sex and stuff like that. But if you sit back and look at the way Facebook works, scrolling and scrolling and, you know, comments popping up or your friends saying hi or whose birthday is it this week or whatever. Um, I mean, Facebook and all those other kind of websites are basically designed or accidentally designed to fit into the exact rate of uh, excitation and anticipation and reward. So we just sit there scrolling and maybe you see something you like and you get that con confirmation bias. I am cool. I'm anti-Trump or I'm really cool because I'm pro-Trump or whatever, you know, and we just scroll through this anticipation of confirmation bias or it's opposite, right? And in so doing, you just uh, end up being bolted to that little small gerbil wheel and keep on going around in circles. Well, I mean, if we're going to talk about now would be good in the sense of that kind of cowboy-esque, like, well, now would be good, you know, get off your butt. Um, but if we also looked at it in the sense now would be good, like goodness, like mm -hmm. generosity, like benefit, because now could be good or it could be bad or it could be freaking evil, mm -hmm. right? So when we take that polarization, you know, you know, in mind, it just sort of changes what we're talking about because your life is either going to be good or it's going to be full of noise and distraction and other things. Um, and I know I'm jumping around here, but, um, or I'm just informing you, I'm jumping into something else for a second. When you look at people who are pretty uh, deeply kind of enmeshed into addiction, but in a functional way, you know, there's many, many people who can drink for, you know, 10, 20 years, but, you know, their mindset is I still go to work. I still pay, pay my bills. I still, you know, know my kids' names or whatever, <laughs> and I occasionally acknowledge them. Um, 
the, I don't know, the elders that I work with in the First Nations uh, sort of spiritual community uh, who've taught me lots say, for the number of years that you're drunk, even if you're functionally drunk, you're not maturing at all. Hmm. So that's a period of time in which you have not grown in any way as a being. So, I mean, and we talked about this before about the four puberties and how people are, you know, going through cycles in life and stuff like that. You've just put a snooze button and a pause button on you. Hmm. So when you sit in front of Facebook for 45 minutes on the toilet <laughs> or whatever, just on your, a, on your <laughs> just, just for imagery folks, um, you know, that's 45 minutes that you basically just were on pause. Yeah. You know, I guess unless you start writing some really, really well thought out prose about, you know, the death of Leonard Cohen or something, because he just passed away a couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the <coughs> the um, social media pause is something that um, I find myself caught in for brief moments of time. And I absolutely hate it because I'm so, um, when I'm actually working and uh, sort of on task um, and focused on something and then... Um, I need to put something up on Facebook, you know, an ad or something like that that I'm creating. All of a sudden, um, the sugar-coated <laughs> Facebook starts to creep in and take over that sort of focus. And it's a real struggle to maintain that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, pretty much everyone I've worked with in the last two years dealing with any kind of addiction, because once you get the curiosity to find out, you know, what, what, what would it be like to not drink or smoke or snort or whatever... Um, the next thing is do not allow yourself to fall into distraction because mm-hmm. it's the same biochemical dopamine anticipation thing. And you are going to find yourself craving so much more, whatever it is you're trying to leave behind in your life, because it's that floating, hazy, weird, agitated place of, I'm not actually being satisfied. I'm, I mean, I mean, this is appropriate, but it's like having sex over and over and over again without climax. Well, uh, certain cultures say that's actually a good thing. Uh, I think they talk about climaxing in a way that doesn't include ejaculation. Yeah, maybe that's more. It. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Another so I mean, podcast. but 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 it just it just fills people with a predisposition towards somehow mute this restless feeling, you right? Because that's what it did. I mean, I have the same experience. If I sit there scrolling through Facebook or whatever else I'm doing online, that isn't in any way uh, effective. At some point, I'll actually have to turn it off. I'll have to get up and walk around and maybe lift some weights or do some chin-ups or something to shift my biochemistry because it's addictive. And in a way, a a weird um, kind of safety zone. I know I can just sit here and spin my mouse wheel and judge all my, you know, Mm -hmm. people I think are, you know, idiots in the world because they don't agree with my opinions or whatever. And I don't know. You ever see that movie Idiocracy? Uh, I've not seen it, no. I, I highly recommend that, although now it's considered to be a documentary <laughs> instead of a comedy. Because <laughs> I think in that movie, although it happens in the future, Donald Trump was the president or something like that. So, Because oh, wow. you know, 10 years ago, that was just something people thought would never happen. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we're laughing in a good way, I think, about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's got nothing to do with me. I live in Canada in, in the sense of politics, and if you think my opinion is you know, aligned with yours or against yours. I don't really think I have an opinion about the whole thing. I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm just a person who really, really keeps having conversations with people about how much better we could be doing in any way. If it's Western medicine, if it's the economy, the environment, I mean, the system that's set up is like Facebook, 
Mm-hmm. You know, okay, there's two parties, just two, yeah, two. And then there's all these interference things between them. Yeah. So we, when we vote, does it really matter? Yeah, but not in the way that you'd think it would. <laughs> <laughs> My brain's already starting to hurt thinking about U.S. politics. <laughs> yeah. But, you but, know, the, the, uh, uh, the outcome of the election um, and uh, the, the outfall, all of the different things that are going on for me is just, uh, I mean, I look at that as like a huge opportunity. Um, as, uh, you know, if you put enough crap in the garden, you'll get something good out of it. You know, you got you to gotta put some fertilizer down before you, you, you get any good vegetables out of your garden, right? Yeah, well said. Um, and that's kind of what all I'm really going to say about U.S. politics <laughs> right now because I don't want to derail the rest of the podcast. But Yeah, but I mean, it is, uh, I mean, I think almost everyone who is a thinking person who's actually looking for, you know, whatever options might work, I think it's pretty clear change is necessary mm-hmm. and this brings us back to the actual podcast itself now would be good for change mm-hmm. for you listening as an individual uh for you listening as a participant in consensual democratic society you know now would be good for some change you know inside your mind inside your muscles inside your belly a sense of belly fat or muffin tops or whatever you're worried about <laughs> or, or lack thereof <laughs> or lack thereof <laughs> um yeah well it's it's um it seems like it's a, a ripe time in uh, in society, in Canada, in the United States, North American society, to sort of really um, look at how, I'm going to speak personally, how it is that I actually show up in the world and what it is I want to do about it and how it is that I show up in between my ears and what I want to do about it. Um, I keep seeing all these outward things that are kind of like, quote unquote, wrong um, and how people don't like them or this is happening bad and this is happening bad. Uh, you know, seeing Facebook posts, um, you know, hurry up 2017, 2016 has been a real dud. Right. Know, what else can go wrong? Um, and I don't really see it that way. Uh, I, I, I just keep seeing, um, you know, little small mirrors popping up all over the place. It's like, how, how do I reflect on this when I experience the world? What is it that this actually brings up about me and how I can be in the world? You know, do I choose to actually be part of the, uh, negative Nellies that are out there, or the positive Pete's, <laughs> whomever that is, you know, it's I, I can choose how I want to be in the world, and this is just more, um, like I said before, more uh, manure for that garden. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up mirrors because one of the most potent images I've seen on social media, probably in the entire time I've had anything to do with it, uh, is a picture of someone standing up against a militarized police force for whatever pro-planet thing they're standing there for, holding a mirror in front of the person, you know, mm-hmm. in, in effective military, you know, uh, helmets and, and armor and weapons and stuff like that. And I mean, that's that's uh, such a potent thing. I, I saw the images as well from uh, the Guardian uh, website, uh, and they were protesters in the Ukraine. And um, they showed uh, these sweet little grandma types holding up these large mirrors that looked like they were I don't know, uh, eight by 10 or bigger. Um, and the, um, the wall of police or force, uh, that they were sort of standing face to face with, um, they couldn't necessarily look at themselves. A lot of them were actually looking down or way almost uh, sort of ashamed. Um, now was that sort of some sort of journalistic, uh, license, you know, was somebody actually looking down because they were seeing that their shoelace was undone or something? Mm-hmm. Maybe, but for the most part, the whole, um, the way the idea was presented was that these people just couldn't face themselves because of the uh, the reflection back of what they they were really seeing themselves in this situation. Yeah, now this is maybe 
don't know. We can do whatever we want, so I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> uh, I started writing this science fiction novel a while ago, and it's, you know, kind of end-of-the-world fun thing. And at one point, um, the decision between the people who are trying to change the world in a positive way against a fairly insanely meant not only militarized police force, but a medicated and militarized police force. Uh, it was the only thing that stopped the conflict was children, hmm. small children with mirrors in front of everybody else in peaceful protest. Right. And I mean, if you're a human being, even if you're militarized and medicated and you're going to shoot little children holding a mirror up, I mean, the point was that's it. We're not even human anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can imagine that being a very, uh, ho- I can imagine that being a very Hollywood kind of uh, thing where, mm-hmm. you know, Buddy with his finger on the trigger is actually questioning his life. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So back to now would be good <laughs> with respect to your, your inner life and how you're living your life. We just talked about uh, patience and impatience, and then we went on a tirade around Facebook and dopamine and <laughs> how bad it can get, I guess. Uh, our bungee card is long today. <laughs> Um, the next thing to do with respect to now would be good. Again, if you're still not feeling like you want to just jump up and get out there and make something amazing happen, um, in whatever way you could, uh, the next thing is to just ask yourself, uh, to be kind or to assess whether or not as a person you're effectively kind enough with respect to yourself and the people around you. Um, to avoid conflict, to avoid judgment, to avoid blame, and to avoid more experiences and memories uh, that the world is full of conflict. Because mm. kindness, patience, I mean, those are like, I mean, that's what Buddhism has to say, you know, can we slow things down enough to actually be compassionate and uh, generous and kind? So if you're able to be kinder, with yourself. You don't have to be the kindest person on the planet, but you know, I think we could all be less jerks to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's free too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I mean, when I'm, I find when, and this is a little hack that I do sometimes when I'm getting ready for work and, uh, I usually have a bunch of different playlists on YouTube. So sometimes I'll listen to music that I actually play and sing myself so I can sing along and feel good about that. Uh, sometimes I listen to, um, stand-up comedians, you know, because mm-hmm. I mean, I think I've got 90 hours of stand-up comedians on my YouTube play- playlist for that. And I just randomly scroll and press play and then you start your day off with that. Um, but more salient to the point I was making, my favorite playlist is spiritual teachers, Zen masters, people who've been through, you know, the vicissitudes of their particular fate and have come out uh, very, very conscious you know, kind and patient beings. When I listen to those kind of voices in my mind, because it seems like we, by default, have to have a voice in our mind. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm going to have a really wise voice and, and, you know, way of thinking before I go to work, when I come to the clinic and I'm sitting with people, I'm actually, I mean, I, mean, I could honestly say I love every person and I'm patient with every person and I feel really kind towards them. Whereas if I don't do something to set myself up for my day that is positive and I'm not having a great day or I didn't sleep well or, you know, whatever else, um, when I'm sitting with people, I'm actually impatiently just trying to get through the filing, you know, and the interrogation or, you know, 
interrogations are all hard, but <laughs> you know, when you're asking all the questions, you have to ask people to, to do a proper diagnosis. Yeah. You'd be more concerned with the task of actually getting through your patients instead of actually focusing, you know, or if I'm trying to make a point as an educator, cause doctors are primarily meant to be educators and I'm not really conscious of the person I'm speaking to mm-hmm. and I try and get their attention forcefully, which actually just happened a couple of days ago. I made this, you know, 17 year old girl cry. And I was trying to get her attention in, in a way, but I wasn't really watching her body language or really, you know, and I was, her mother was in the room too. So I was looking back and forth and, um, I just, I mean, I'm still carrying that in my heart right now. Just like, oh my God, I was not kind. I was not, I mean, I could have done that and got her attention in another way. It worked out to be a very good conversation because, you know, when people cry, things change and boundaries shift and stuff. But mm-hmm. I mean, I just was having an impatient day. <laughs> yeah. Wow. You know? Wow. Well, and, and I can imagine that um, productivity, like all the things that you, if you don't come to work in that sort of Zen place, uh, you would come to work in a very uh, distracted, agitated place and be more task oriented and just trying to function and get through your done, get things done. And you'd probably get less done coming to work in that place than you would if you were in a Zen place and things just flowed gracefully. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's such a profound difference. You know, if we were mm-hmm. to go back to the sticky notes, you know, the wall of whoops and the wall of right. yay, right. um, the more you're actually conscious of, you know, that being a patient, kind, generous, compassionate person is really one thought away. It's just saying yes. Mm-hmm. Yes to life. Yes to other human beings. Yes to the fact that modern life is going a bit faster than most of us are really used to or have adapted to. So the more gentle we can be with each other, even in the first minute of a conversation, it's like, oh yeah, that's allowed. I keep forgetting you that you're allowed to be the best version of yourself. Hmm. Yeah. But I would imagine that, <clears throat> I would imagine that many people don't, um, trust the best version of themselves because they're not that familiar with who that person is. Mm-hmm. To be sincerely interested in another person feels really, really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes I'm the supervisor for the doctoral candidates at the Chinese medicine school here in Nelson. And that's the thing I'm not probably say to the students more often than anything. I mean, you're this close to being a doctor. Are you really sincerely interested in every person you meet and talk to? And you know, that they they're trying to, you know, study for exams and everything else. And it's just a really nice reminder. This is why you're doing this. I mean, this is the only way you're going to get good at this is mm-hmm. to be sincerely interested in, you know, being a good detective and a good communicator. Well, and I would think that that would probably be a, a pretty big distinction between uh, Chinese medicine and other forms of it, uh, Western medicine, mm-hmm. where it's more about mechanics than it is about connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think there's just one last thing that I, I'd want to bring up, and this is more for people who are uh, clinically diagnosed, you know, with a condition, they're dealing with symptoms, they're dealing with protocols, if it's pharmaceutical, if it's nutraceutical, if it's things like acupuncture or seeing a shaman or, you know, whatever you're doing to try and improve your health. Um, again, in the theme of now would be good. Uh, it's been my experience, uh, over 20 years that the greater proportion of people, uh, are kind of conditioned to believe where they kind of expect that the only thing you can do if you're sick is to kind of gradually back away from your illness. You know, if the illness is like some, I don't know, dangerous dog and it's tied to a tree, if you can just back away from that dangerous place, eventually you'll get far enough away that you won't be that sick anymore. 
And uh, so that's kind of some figurative image that I have in my mind there, but can you be a little bit more literal about how that would actually show up or how people would experience that? So, okay, I've got, well, I'm, I have four chronic autoimmune things going on in my life. So choice number one is I take the right diet, right? And then I take the supplements, right? And then maybe I see a counselor if I'm stressing out, okay, um, I'm not that sick as I was before, good, okay. Um, and I'm coming up on 50, so should I be more careful? Should I be this? And it's just a sort of relative passive self-defense model of, of healthcare, where as long as we can make sure it's not as bad as it was, it's good. Hmm. I mean, I'm going to put this up as a, uh, infographic thing. Saying no to a no is not the same as saying yes. Hang on. I got to put that through my little <laughs> processor here. <laughs> saying no to a no is not the same as saying yes yes to no well yes to yes like to life so if i'm not backing away from all my conditions i'm turning myself around and i'm running through the forest to the gym and then to the health food store and then to that organic place to buy vegetables and then the local you know market to get really really farm fresh eggs or whatever because you know it's it's like when we talked about martial arts you know probably one of the first podcasts we did in martial arts you never block like real martial arts, you know, you, you never just go, no, you just take whatever they're throwing at you away from them and you, you know, pop them over the side of the head and say bad puppy and, you know, take them to the hospital and, you know, <laughs> hope you don't get arrested. But anyway, you know, so it's, you either back away from what is negative in your life or you move, you know, thoroughly and wholeheartedly towards what is positive in your life. Hmm. Okay. But if you're walking away scared of your negative with your eyes on your negative, your life is about avoiding negatives. Right. But if you're, you know, your whole heart and face and smile and beady little eyes are looking at your goals, your results, uh, your opportunities, um, that's who you are. You wake up and it's a yes day, right? Mm -hmm. You do your, I don't know, say, I don't, I don't like the word best, but you know, you do the things that innately feel um, the most effective. Right. Perhaps do uh, what um, uh, do what you can with your capacity. Yeah, and also have a sense of humor. Yeah. I mean, if you know, you get pulled over by the cops because of for whatever, you know, infraction or whatever, and you know, you take that personally, or you have some conversation with the barista, and they get your order mixed up, and you know, you could, you know, rah, 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 you know, I mean, those things happen, and it's just being able to take things less personally, and to have a sense of humor and more patience, and just keep asking yourself. I mean. If I am this person with this many sticky notes on this side and that many sticky notes on the other, and you know, that's who I am and that's what I'm working with, you know, good. I mean, now you have some self-awareness, mm -hmm. you know, you know, uh, are you embodied? Are you present? You know, are you actually doing the things that make you happy? Are you making sure that the way you interact with other people affords them an opportunity to be the way they want to be, to be happy? Because mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's like hacking life is so simple, you know? You know, people think you find some huge book on, you know, how to do things right or whatever, but there are some real simple, simple things, you know, and that's why I thought of this podcast as we get back to, into doing these. And I guess I'm in a slightly different place than I was a couple of months ago. So, um, that's all I really want to say to people. Like now would be good. Like say yes to your, your positives and saying no to the negatives, but be aware of it all. I mean, you can't just blithely, you know, 
run amok into the world without knowing, you know, maybe what you need to deal with too. But Well, it sounds like there's um, all kinds of places this conversation could go uh, at a deeper level. Mm-hmm. Um, just for the sake of time, um, do you feel like you've uh, shared the concepts that you wanted to today to sort of get people thinking this way? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, there's just be, be, be playfully decisive. Be curious about the results. If you come up with some consequences, okay, yellow wall, that guy, we'll see if we're going to learn from it later. Hmm. Right. You know, right. Um, and where are we going to go next with these podcasts? Uh, well, I want to talk about cancer. I was going to do that in a few, but since we brought it up today, I think we should just jump on that one because it's, okay. you know, I think, a pretty potent thing. And especially to take away the demon, you know, with the big scary C word, because it may actually be something completely different. And I've been doing a lot of research on it lately. I think I'm on my fifth oncology textbook of 2016 for whatever reason. And, Cause uh, you're, cause you're a nerd. I think. Okay. Stop. I'm a nerd. I'm allowed to be a nerd, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'm a fit nerd. <laughs> you're, you're the nerd on the top of the pile of all the people that are listening. <laughs> right. <laughs> We're also nerds. Yeah. But also I want to get into the whole cholesterol myth too, because, mm-hmm. uh, I'm the, what I'm seeing in terms of the baby boomer population and the profoundly irresponsible use of statin drugs and their side effects, um, I, I really want to take a baseball bat to the whole cholesterol is bad thing. Wow. Uh, sounds like um, I'm going to be learning a lot more in the next couple of weeks or so. Me too. Yeah, great. <laughs> uh, this is Fusion Health Radio. I'm Anthony Sana. I'm Dr. Michael Smith. And uh, we want to thank you for listening. Again, if you found anything in this podcast curious or interesting or you don't like what you heard, any kind of comments or feedback, you can always reach us through our Facebook page. Uh, You can reach Mike through his uh, website, his practice website, integrativehealthsolutions.ca. Check us out online. Please do share uh, Fusion Health Radio with your friends. Uh, Just search for it in the good old Google and we show up all over the place. And uh, I guess that's it for today. Uh, one last thing is just a request. You know, if you got a good laugh out of this at all and you think somebody else would, um, please uh, have some social proof fun and go on to, say, iTunes and leave an actual, uh, com- not only a comment, but a, I forgot the word, when you actually give us one or rating. a rating. And subscribe so that we get a sense that, uh, you know, this is working for people because that's how all this stuff actually works. Yeah, awesome. Uh, Great conversation today, Michael. Thanks. Thank you. You have been listening to Fusion Health Radio. Please add your comments or post a question at Facebook slash Fusion Health Radio.